Thank you so much. Uh, thanks, Josh, for that uh, introduction. Uh, I feel slightly embarrassed now, uh, but it's okay. It is okay. Um, so, like Josh said, my name is Mariah Felder. I am the. I have the pleasure of being the youth pastor here, um, and uh, I'm so excited to get to talk to you guys today about uh, rest and Sabbath. Um, and if you know me, you're probably like looking at me with the side eye, like Mariah is going to talk to us about rest and Sabbath. But hang in there with me. Um, in this series, we are uh, in the series "Grateful and Hungry." We are talking about the things that God has done in our church over the last 14 years, the things that God has deposited in us, um, and recognizing those things, being grateful for those things, and asking for more. And an emphasis on rest and Sabbath has definitely been one of those things that God has grown in our church, uh, especially our leaders. And I think we're a healthier church because of it. Um, but in typical vineyard fashion, we aren't satisfied with what God has done already. Um, but we're saying more, Lord, and asking for more. So to start off, by a show of hands, who has heard of the phrase, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life? Who's heard that phrase? Okay, so keep your hand up if you believe that phrase. That's about what I thought. Okay, um, so I agree with you all. Um, I don't honestly find that statement true. Um, if you've talked to me even briefly since I took over as youth pastor, I'm sure I have mentioned to you how much I absolutely love my job, but it is work. Um, and Root's parents, you know, um, trying to get seven to 10 middle school and high school students to sit down and stay still and learn something about Jesus is work. Um, but I don't think work is necessarily bad. And this cliche makes love and work sound like opposing things, but they aren't. So my personal phrase is, if you love what you do, you'll enjoy work and actually just want to show up the next day. Um, and I think, and, I, and the main thing I want to make clear here is that work isn't inherently bad. Good and beautiful things like relationships, gardens, being good at sports takes work. Um, but the problem with work is, is when it overflows its boundary. God gave us Sabbath to keep work in its proper place. Let's see, will this? Nope, okay, we'll go to the next one. Um, so like I said, uh, if you know me, it is a little ironic that I'm up here standing uh, talking about rest because of how much I've resisted and struggled with the idea of rest and Sabbath, especially when I first came to ECV. And I was very vocal about it too. Like I, I let folks know that I didn't have time to rest and I wasn't going to try to rest because I didn't have time for it. Um, and, but I was first introduced to the idea of practicing a Sabbath when I became an intern at ECV the summer of 2017. Growing up as a minister's kid, church was a volunteer job that you did for Jesus. You worked hard because it was for Jesus, and that was just what it was. Like, you don't complain, you just work harder. Um, so when I came to ECV, I remember Pastor Josh uh, taught about Sabbath at, uh, at the home group leadership lessons that summer. You might have heard of it because we try to we reference that, that group a lot because it was really great. But he talked about the three P's of keeping Sabbath. Pause, pray, and play. And then the activity he did was we had to do, we had to sit and think about a list of things that we found enjoyable that we could do as our play on our Sabbath. And I remember sitting in this home group and I'm stressed out. I'm like, what do I do for fun? I was like, what do I find enjoyable? I don't know. I was like, do I find anything fun? Do I find anything enjoyable? I, all I know is work. So I had the hardest time making that list. And after that home group, Josh would occasionally ask me if I had planned to take time for Sabbath. 
And I usually uh, told him no, like he had asked me the most absurd, absurd question ever. I was like, did I, take, did I make time for Sabbath? Of course not. It's like, do you know who I am? I don't have time for that. I was a church intern uh, the first summer after, after my first year of graduate school. Play felt like a totally foreign concept to me. And I distinctly remember one night laying on my couch on a Saturday night, completely stressed out, on borderline about to have an anxiety attack about what I could do for fun the next day for my Sabbath. I'm like laying on my couch like, okay, what do I find fun? I have to find something fun. If I'm gonna do Sabbath, I have to do it right. I have to find something fun, but I can't think of anything fun. So, so literally I gave up. I said, I quit. I said, I'm not gonna Sabbath. So I just worked, so I got up the next day on Sunday. I worked on my computer until it was time to go to church. And of course, I got to church early enough to make sure I got there to fulfill my own responsibilities and to find other responsibilities that I could help out with until service started. Because my own work wasn't enough, I had to go see who else could I help. I was like, Asher, are you good? Do you need help? And I was just like, let me see if I could find more work to do because the idea of resting did, was not working. And if you're looking at me and you're saying, you sound like a total workaholic. I, you're right, I was. Um, so it came as no surprise when a year later I was totally exhausted and burnt out and all of the things I was doing to serve, I didn't want to do anymore. And if you're also thinking, man, I work a lot, but I'm not that bad. You might be right. Um, but we all have ways that we can fall into the trap of seeing Sabbath as a luxury for those with less work or as an inconvenience that, see, that keeps us from being as productive as we could be. But God gives us the idea of, God gives us the gift of Sabbath as an invitation to wholeness and as a gift. So before we go any further, let me pray for us. God, Thank you for this gathering. Thank you for this day. Thank you for all of the folks here um, who you've brought together um, to hear about your word. God, uh, thank you for the good gifts that you give, like Sabbath. Thank you for the work that you put our hands to do. Um, help us to see you in both our work and our rest. And help, and help us to see your invitation into your Sabbath rest. And I ask all of these things in Christ's name. Amen. So in our uh, text for today, uh, Mark chapter 2, um, it explains the way that Sabbath is a gift and not a burden for us. Um, and you can follow along. I'm starting reading at uh, verse 23. It says, one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields and his disciples walked along. They began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what's unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, have you ever read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So just imagine with me, Jesus and the disciples are walking through a field and you're walking from town to town, and you want a snack. You're like, even on road trips, when we're not exerting physical energy, you just kind of want something to snack on. And so the disciples are walking, and they're picking heads of grain to eat. And picking grain is considered harvesting, so it's forbidden on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees were not having it. They called Jesus out, and as always, Jesus was ready with his comeback. Jesus reminds the Pharisees of the story of David, when he was on the run from King Saul, who was trying to kill him. And he ate uh, the holy bread from the tabernacle that only the priests were allowed to eat. 
But the priest made the exception and gave David the bread so him and his men would not starve. The Pharisees were trying to hold Jesus to the letter of the law, but once again, Jesus shows them the heart behind the law. What good is keeping the Sabbath if people are going hungry? Jesus says the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And I love the way that the New Living Translation puts it. It says the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people, not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. If the Sabbath is made to meet our needs as humans, why does it feel like observing the Sabbath feels so difficult sometimes? We call it a spiritual discipline for a reason, because it doesn't come naturally to us. It requires practice. And I would like to propose that in America, it's because we live in a capitalist society where everything is motivated by profit where our value to an employer or an organization is directly tied to how much we can produce. Researchers have started calling this idea uh, internalized capitalism. Anders Hayden, a political science, prof <laughs> a political science professor at, uh, at Dalhousie University in Nova Scotia defines internalized capitalism as the idea that our self-worth is directly linked to our productivity. It makes us feel like it's a sin to be unproductive. And as such, we always must be producing it because our, product, our productivity is in direct relation to our worthiness. Internalized capitalism is the thing that makes us say stuff like, I should be doing more. I should be farther along in my career by now. And if we live in a society that socializes us to worship productivity and attach our worth to our work, no wonder we struggle with the idea of rest. It's easy to feel guilty for resting because it's a waste of time. It's unproductive. Capitalism says that a person's value comes from what you do. So you can't rest until everything is done. Rest is a privilege earned by those who are productive. But in the kingdom of God, each and every person has value just because you are made in the image of God. And you are de deserving of rest just because you exist. This is the difficulty of living in the already, but not yet. It feels like the rest of the world is operating on this whole other paradigm. But when we lean into the kingdom, of, the kingdom idea of work and rest, I genuinely believe that we will find refreshment and new life. In the creation story in Genesis, God is creating order from chaos and nothingness. God separates heaven from earth, day from night, and the sea is separated from the land. And then on the seventh day, God separates work from rest. It says that God made the seventh day holy, which literally means to set it apart from the other days. So now the practice of Sabbath for us is meant to separate what we do from who we are. I'll say that again, it's meant to separate, Sabbath is meant to separate what we do from who we are. Um, and in the black community, there is a phrase that I love and I see it on social media all of the time. Anytime anybody wants to celebrate an accomplishment um, and especially during graduation season, like it's, it's the caption for almost everybody's photos. Um, the phrase is, I am my ancestors wildest dreams. Black folks love to use this phrase to acknowledge uh, that our ancestors were uh, particularly those who were enslaved, dreamed that we would make it to where we are today and have the opportunities that we have. And yes, it is true. 
but oftentimes we use it as permission to partake in hustle culture. Like it's all about the, all about the grind. You got to hustle, sleep, repeat. Like you got to see it through, my boy. Like you got to do it, right? And in pursuit, in, a, in our pursuits to be our ancestors' wildest dreams or to achieve what no generation before us could, we must be careful not to shackle ourselves to the same capitalist system that enslaved them. While I'm sure that my ancestors would be proud that I have two degrees and that my grandmother, who didn't even graduate from high school, got to see me graduate from Yale, that's wonderful. But my ancestors' biggest dream was that they would be able to rest when they were tired. To literally not have the value of their life attached to how much cotton they could pick. Or to be able to take a vacation and not have to worry about how they were going to make rent at the end of the month. So whether you are a person of color or not, we can fall into the trap of forgetting about the freedom we have been given and exchange it for a different type of bondage. Whether it's school or it's work or it's, or it's obsessively trying to distance yourself from all the mistakes you've made in your past. We can chain ourselves to these things that just kind of keep us running as a, like a motor. And God was, God was worried about the Israelites making the same mistake in the Old Testament that many of us are falling into today. So God gave the people of Israel the Ten Commandments uh, through Moses twice. Once at, the, at Mount Sinai, right after they left Egypt and were freed um, from slavery uh, and when they were in the wilderness. And the second time was 40 years later, be right before they entered the Promised Land. And I'm going uh, to read that for us in a second. And it's Moses talking to the second generation of Israelites in the wilderness, many of which were never in slavery. And God is commanding them to keep the Sabbath because their ancestors were enslaved. Um, and this is verse 12, starting at verse 12. Uh, it says, Observe the Sabbath and keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath day to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male or female slave or your ox, or your donkey, or any of your livestock, or the resident alien in your towns, so that your male and female slave may rest as well as you. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. God has, uh, has Moses remind the Israelites of the commandments before they go into the promised land, and before they establish this new way of life and this new uh, society, and when they have rule over others. Moses was like, hey, before y'all go in there and start conquering stuff and building your new life, don't forget where you came from. It wasn't too long ago that your grandparents, your aunts and uncles were slaves in Egypt, working for hours, making bricks with no straw, begging for a day off. So don't cross the Jordan and forget that you are the living witness to their answered prayer. Don't, don't value building a nation over being present with the God who got you here in the first place. So then when we look at the gospels it feels like Jesus is just very nonchalant about keeping the Sabbath he's like oh, okay you can like pick the grain or whatever or when he heals on the Sabbath but Jesus is actually getting to the ultimate purpose of the Sabbath the function of Sabbath is to promote life and wholeness and to understand and glorify God as a liberator when we understand the gift of Sabbath and the freedom that God offers through it hopefully it's something that we would look forward to at the end of each week that we have been freed from a life of work and productivity to enjoy rest with, and to, to enjoy our work and our rest within their proper bounds. And I just also want to note 
that in Deuteronomy, uh, God doesn't just command it for the people of Israel to Sabbath, but it applies to everyone, their slaves, their livestock, even the refugees who are, who are in their land. Everyone has to Sabbath. And I really believe that God is highlighting this because when you value rest, it affects the kind of communities that you build. It affects the way you run your business, the way that you treat your employees or the, way, or the people that you supervise. It, uh, it affects everything that you do in your work. God commands us not to rest only for our well-being but, and the well-being of ourselves, but also for the health of our community, for the people around us. So when I started talking, I, was, I said how terrible I was about resting and how it was such a stressful burden for me. Um, but my turning point really came uh, after graduation. I got my first job, um, and I moved to D.C. For, uh, for a job there, and I worked at a church. And I had so many responsibilities, worked so many hours, that it broke me. I would literally, like, be crawling to Monday. I'm just like, okay, if I can get through the second service, like, then I'll be done, and I can, like, get to Monday where I can, like, just not have to do anything. Um, but even then, my mind would still be racing and like making a list of all of the things I had to do when I got to the office on Tuesday. Um, I saw the way that even not doing anything in my body, I was still like working in my mind. But then I saw the true value of rest and that it was an opportunity to be present with God and to be refreshed by God for the things ahead. So when uh, I decided that I was going to move back to New Haven, in the spring of 2020, um, I had a Zoom call with Pastor Josh to tell him I was planning to move back. And before the call ended, I was like, you know, I was like, right before we end, I was like, something I want to say. Um, I was like, I'm sorry. I was like, uh, I'm sorry about all the times I gave you a hard time about Sabbath because I get it now. I was like, you were right. I was wrong. Sabbath is important. Like, it, I was like, it does kill you. I'm like, I'm sorry. I was like, you were right. Um, and I was like, man, like, I hate to admit it, but like, maybe he was really onto something. Like, if I would have practiced this as a grad student, maybe I wouldn't be struggling as much now. I was like, I was like, you're, you're the pastor for a reason. I was like, you know what you're talking about. <laughs> and I was like, man, this is, I was like, he actually was onto something. And don't get me wrong, I still struggle with taking longer periods of rest. Um, I have, I'm taking a getaway next weekend. Slight, slight guilt about that, okay? I'm missing a Sunday. I feel guilt about that, right? Um, so the Lord is still working on me. But don't get, But every, every Monday, I will gladly take my Sabbath because I know what it's like to run on empty, and I know that I don't have to. None of us do. I've seen that the world does not fall apart when I don't get something done. And like, I'm like, oh, like, things keep going because I, like, because I rested, like, I don't have to hold the world together. I can rest well. I learned that I could rest well because God offers a Sabbath rest for our wholeness. I rest well because I've been freed from being a slave to my work. I rest well because I know that I am more than what I do. I rest well because I know that I'm not the one who keeps the earth spinning around the sun. I rest well because I know that I am loved by God, and regardless of what I do, uh, get off my ch done off my checklist. I can rest well because I may not know what the future holds, but I trust the one who holds my future. God has given us the gift 
of Sabbath as a reminder that we have been freed from using our work as our only source of validation. And over my time at ECV, I have seen how our community has grown in promoting rest and Sabbath. I think we've seen one too many leaders get burnt out and barely want to come to church, let alone want to serve. We've seen people who stopped serving and felt isolated and uncared for once they didn't have time to contribute to our Sunday gatherings. And those are things that we have to repent for, for the harms done, and to continue to see God's wisdom and lean into God's rest, both as a community and as individuals. And I'm grateful for the ways that God has matured our church in these areas. I'm grateful for things like seeing Tina take a sabbatical from leading worship, and now Lucretia doing the same. I'm so grateful that we don't ask people to serve in their first year of being at the church so that they can just come and be a part. I'm grateful for things like the, the setup rotation so that nobody has to manage those things alone. Um, I'm grateful to be a part of a community that strives not only to value people based on their productivity, but simply because of who they are. And this series is called Grateful and Hungry for a Reason. So as staff and as elders and leaders, we can't be satisfied for the ways that we have grown as a community, but we want to lean into the ways that God continues uh, to promote well rest and healthy rhythms for ourselves, for those who serve, and for everyone in our community. And this is something that we continue to ask God for. So I want to leave, uh, leave us with a few invitations. One, if you don't have a weekly sab Sabbath set aside, I invite you to start one. Uh, start with a couple hours a week if you feel like a whole day is too much. Um, but work your way up to a whole day. Two, if you, have, if you already have a Sabbath rhythm, ask God where you can receive more of the Holy Spirit's refreshment rather than just physical rest. Sometimes self-care can be, oh, I'm going to you know, eat my favorite chips and watch Netflix. Um, and we call that our Sabbath. But try to lean into, okay, where can I meet God and where can I get God's refreshment um, and receive from the Holy Spirit in our Sabbath? And third, if you ha are having a difficult time accepting the gift of rest or, or wrestling with guilt from being unproductive, ask God for the freedom to receive God's rest. Ask for uh, God's eyes to see you and see your work how God sees it and to receive that rest. I really do believe that it makes a big difference. And one of the ways that we can lean into God's, in, God's invitations and God's gifts to us is through taking communion. That is when we have the opportunity to say, yes, I see the things that you're, that you're offering me, Lord, and I want to acknowledge these in a very uh, tangible way. So you should have communion either on your seats, under your seats, and if you don't have one near you, you can lift up your hand and Patrick will bring you one. I think everybody is getting their communion. Um, so you can uh, peel back the little layers here. Um, and as you take the bread and drink the cup, um, just uh, remember the ways that Christ uh, offers himself for us so that we know um, that we do not have to be, uh, yeah, a, a 
bonded uh, in bondage to uh, the things of this world, but we are able to accept the gifts of the kingdom. So let us eat together. Lord, thank you for um, the gift of rest and the gift of your son, Jesus, who offered himself for us. God, help us to see the ways that you have given yourself for us um, so that we don't feel like we have to give ourselves to things that are not worthy of our total devotion. Help us to lean into you, um, to lean into your, to your rest, to your life, and there may we find new life. I thank you for this, Lord. Amen. Amen.